2: This is a CBC podcast. Yes. Hi.
1: Oh hi. Good. I don't know if you remember me. Do you remember me? No. My name's Danielle Gravette. Get out. No, you don't look anything like you used to. Oh my god, I haven't seen you in so long. Ages. Come on in. This is a friend of mine, David.
3: Hi, I'm David. I'm from I'm from CBC.
1: From oh, okay. CBC and uh, we're actually doing a little piece on my dad. Oh, okay. And, um, kind
4: of- Ed Gaelic's partner, Alfren, has opened the door and looks surprised. She appears to be in her late 50s, long, light brown hair tied back, wire-rimmed glasses and rubber sandals.
1: I'm so afraid of your dog, they say. Do you actually, know? he's out cutting down trees, believe it or not, in
4: the rain. Ed's not here, but we're invited inside to wait. Almost immediately, Alfrin begins a process of apology for she and Ed not going to Wayne's funeral.
0: Like when the funeral, like we we sort of wanted to go, but then with all the shit that had happened, it was like, well, geez, maybe we shouldn't because, you know, yeah.
4: Alfrin says they didn't go because people were pointing the finger at Ed
0: stories in town that people were saying that Ed, had something to do
4: with it. Well, that- Alfred takes us inside where Danielle, Justin, and I eventually meet her husband, Ed, Wayne's old business partner. We talk for hours in a wide-ranging, intense conversation that at times seemed friendly but was filled with unseen tensions that Danielle described to me afterwards.
1: And the intention was to try and get as much information and keep him talking as long as possible. He described my father as a pig and we had to sit there straight-faced and laugh about it but that's not what I was feeling inside at all. That's not what my brother was feeling inside at all. I just don't want this to look like we're we're not concerned about those things because it, it does it cuts me to the bone.
0: You are listening to "Someone Knows Something" from CBC Original Podcasts. In season four, David Ridgen continues the work he started nine years ago on the Wayne Gravette case. This is episode three, "The Deer."
2: There he is down there,
3: yeah.
4: You look cold.
2: <laughs> Hair's not yellow.
4: No, <laughs> no
2: but
4: it's very white. <laughs> no, mine is. <laughs> Ed Gaelic Sr. is dressed in a white short sleeve shirt with a collar and blue stripes on the sleeves. He says he's 67 years old, but looks younger and has medium length wavy gray hair, perfect looking teeth, light blue eyes, and a hearing aid. I have a
2: problem with Bailey's. Yeah, I know. I just put the kettle there. You
4: go. Ed moves deftly and speaks loudly with an almost overwhelming confidence. A man used to being in charge of any situation.
2: So explain everything, why the hell? I know I know you love me to death and you can't see me, but it took me like a million years, so, uh, so I'm about it. explain it well, to me story there. Well,
4: according to the gravettes and the Gaelics, their two families had been very close and had worked together for a long time. But despite this, they hadn't spoken in the years leading up to Wayne's death or after. What was the nature of the disagreement between Wayne and Ed Gaelic? You
1: know what, I think we all got to talking about doing this because obviously, you no, know, it's been so long since Dad passed away. Well, you know somebody,
2: somebody's out there that shouldn't be out
3: there. Well,
1: what you just said is exactly
3: why.
4: We've climbed some stairs back at Ed's split-level home and are now gathered around a wooden dining table on a cold tiled floor the rooms painted a shade of mint green and above us on the wall a large wooden cutout of a word family
1: i mean we, we started talking about it I mean, we, to start at the beginning there's only really you two. you guys knew us so well and our family so well
3: we want to be able to sit down with you and get an understanding of what was my dad like? Good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, no, there was a
0: lot, a lot of good times.
2: Oh, we had tons. A lot of... I can't remember all. Of, I mean, they were all good times. Yeah. yeah, we just had our little marriage dispute come to the end of that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he, that... yeah, to be truthful, he did get screwed up a little at the end there anyway. But that's yeah, just, that Don't forget, I, I had him since he was 16 years old. Exactly oh, that's how many years. Like, I, I don't even know how old he was when he passed away. Is it? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but we worked our asses off, like we, we, we did what it did to get from my poverty line and his poverty line at that time. Like, how did you guys meet? He was working at 7-Up. Uh, I was a mechanic and I became the head then. then I put Wayne in charge, right? Because Wayne was a good worker. He was a really hard worker, yep. right? Yeah, we spent about, I, I think a good year disciplining because he wasn't really into going to work, he was doing other stuff at that yeah, time, yeah, you know? Yeah. But once he got that habit, He's the first there and the last to leave and the hardest working guy you ever want to meet.
4: Yeah. Wayne followed Ed from 7up to the Pop Shop, a soft drink company. Then Wayne stayed on there while Ed left and started his own business. They kept in touch, and one day, Wayne went to work for Ed again.
2: Had, like, we've been together years now, so we sort of thought even a life right <laughs> no, we got along great. Like our, our brains are working together and all that. We were just working all the time. Right. right. I said, what we're going to do is we're going to go away for a couple months, Wayne, and I'm going to leave you in charge.
4: Ed would leave Wayne in charge of Surge and then go on vacation.
2: It worked okay. We went away for a couple months, came back and checked the books and everything. It was just great.
4: But sometimes when Ed returned from vacation, he says, it wasn't always rosy with Wayne. He recalls Wayne, on one such occasion, had began treating workers harshly. He'd rule people.
1: Yeah? Did he start to feel yeah, that way? Tell you him? Yeah.
2: You can't treat the people that are making us money like yeah. that, right? Because that's what he do. He'd treat them like dirt, right? And i go, why would you do that? Where, where where, in the world did you get that? You were dirt, I was, was dirt. Like, why, we're not all... Like, but I don't know where that came from, right? Yeah. We, we sort of straightened it out. Like, you know, because uh, I said, I don't want people coming to me, telling me about you, and then leaving because you're too hard on them, right? Yeah. So he caught on that pretty quick, because I said, I'll get rid of him, man, because I don't need that. Was head it head more head.
1: like employees, or was employees. it customers employees and yeah. employees? Like So he was got, losing
2: uh, the respect yeah. of his crew. He,
1: he just he yeah. went, he went power nuts. Yeah. He, he went power nuts for
2: about a year, and we, we got out to put the bed, right? Yeah. And that was okay. So then we decided, we're going for six months, right? Yeah. So and I was, was I was, and, and I was a little apprehensive about it. Yeah. And I said, why don't you just move into the house, and yeah. this one, I guess you guys were living here, right, yeah. for about six months. Yeah. And we're just going to be gone and I'll mm-hmm. call you once in a while. That worked out okay. So he comes up with this bright idea of we're gonna put Diane in there, right? Yeah. Albert and I worked together, so he thought that would be the next natural step. That, yeah.
4: But in Ed's opinion, Diane wasn't working out for the business.
2: Sure. She's got her opinion, I got my opinion, you got your opinion, but fortunately, unfortunately, I own the business and here's where we're going. Yeah. You know, and I can't explain it any better. So that happened for about two, three months, and then they rebelled on it, right? I'm just going to tell you how our marriage split it up. Yeah. So I come back, and I guess through all the jobs I've ever done, part of your job is the worst part is say you don't work here no more, right?
4: Eventually, Ed says he he asked Wayne to to fire Diane.
2: So I said, I think you're going to have to let her go. Well, why don't you do that?
4: I just, because I didn't
2: hire her. You did. So he fired her? Yeah.
4: I asked Diane for her version. She says Ed and Alfran were the ones who fired her.
5: I was let go. And I don't know why. I was let go. And they said that they didn't need my services anymore and whatever, and I worked really hard. And, you know, Wayne worked really, really hard. Wayne had said to me, the two of us, between me doing that job and him doing that job, Ed wasn't happy.
4: Diane having to leave caused a lot of friction. And another factor that led to Wayne and Ed's final falling out was to do with a company she and Wayne had developed. Surge had acquired a company called Conveyors Unlimited, and Diane says she and Wayne worked hard to manage the company while Ed was away in Arizona. She says it was Wayne's understanding that he would own 50% of Conveyors Unlimited, but when Ed returned, she says Wayne was only getting paid his usual 10%, as Ed considered Conveyors to be part of Surge. So, Wayne and Diane planned to start their own company with Lisa that they would call DNL. And Wayne began the process of leaving Serge himself. Yeah, I it a lot of
2: tension. So, I said, since we're not working out together, give me a number and adios amigos. And, yeah. and so he goes, okay, I well, want this and that. And I go, no problem, right? You can have that. And then Spike came in really bad. God, him is really not happy with me because he had to fire his misses and then he gets canned, right? Yeah. And I understand the
5: feelings. Yeah.
4: I've also heard Diane's version of the situation.
5: When Ed came back that year, Ed decided that he was going to put it all together and basically pay Wayne his ten percent. Well, Wayne was pissed off with that because he said that's not right. Like I'm fifty percent of of Limited. of Surge Beverage, that doesn't, you know, is not right. You can't just take that money and throw it in with that. Ned said he could do anything he wanted to do.
4: That disagreement ended in court with Wayne seeking compensation for the value of his share of the business. In the end, in 1993, Ed and Wayne went to court-ordered mediation. Wayne owed Ed money for a previous loan, and Ed owed Wayne money. In the end, Wayne netted around $100,000, according to Diane, and then roughly three years passed without the family speaking a word to each other. Wayne used his money to help buy the farm, and then... Wayne was murdered in December 1996.
2: We sort of ended all that anyway, just like regular lawyer stuff and all that. That, But we never never did get engaged to being friends again. So Hmm. what happened, it took about a third of my life right out of me because that was always there. Like, yeah, yeah, and vice versa. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, like we were always there. How's the kids, how's
2: that, where's the kids? I pretty well lost them for two years after that. Like, I know it was a three year difference, but First year, I sort of kept tabs because he was calling on our customers, but you know he's trying to survive. Oh, yeah. So on a business aspect, uh, no effect whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, personal, big effect, a big hole in your heart. Uh, like, well, why? Like, how did that happen? We used to have yeah. our domestics together, but we were always number one. Like,
4: yeah. Here, Ed together. downplays his disputes, which he calls domestics, with Wayne, and moves to a story about them getting into a scrap with someone else.
2: Oh, he was a feisty little son of a I don't know where he got his balls for his size. Well, we were at Newmarket, eh, having a beer. There's me, my brother Roy, and we stand what size we stand, right? And got little Wayne with us, right? (laughs) So this guy over here, he's just a yip and a right? And he gets pushing somebody, and they bumped into it and spilled our beer, right? Well, we paid for this, and now we're upset, right? And this guy didn't offer to pay for it. Wayne gets up, grabs the guy by the hair, just like that, the guy was right there, Big, big about four times and the guy was gone. And I go to Roy like, aren't we ashamed? No, he would take shit for nobody. No, he didn't really walk away from anything. But yeah. he did walk away from responsibility in the last three, four years.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like specifically, what way do you think?
2: I know what he was doing, but I, I don't want to say that. You know, I'll be blunt here. Not knowing hurts us a hell
3: of a lot more. more. I mean, even coming here was a little bit nervous because we know that there's going to be things that we don't want to hear. But, the, you know what, we hear it in we the press, we learn no so many already. things.
2: Like, I know, but tell your pa, and uh, the stuff you don't know is probably good, because then your memories would stay the same, and then if you know the other side, might
1: steal some of memories. But we're not, we're we're not trying to remember him as who, somebody who, who died of natural causes. We're trying, trying to, remember, to remember, and we're trying to figure out what might have happened lost to him. I lost that
2: lousy two years. Like, I just didn't stay in contact to know who, where, and what, and how. What? And I lost that, so a lot of it became guessing, but on the same part, the what, who, and how was just still in the circle that we all lived in. Right. Well,
1: that's it. You yeah. left
2: a lot of people wondering what the hell happened to him, right? He,
1: he certainly
4: did. <clears throat> and with Danielle and Justin pressing for more, Ed tells them something about their dad they have never heard before.
2: Uh, so he, he start moving in different directions. Like, we had a philosophy. Like, we weren't no angels, right? And it was just kind of easy to rip people off. And, and yeah. the job, because we did, you are very capable, because there's a million people out there, so you can just rip off that guy, rip off that guy. Well, I never wanted that, right? I wanted yeah. us to have the biggest name, the best name, and they're calling us because we're the most honest, hardest working, selling the guns, and yeah. we want our money, and that's just the way it is, yeah. right? Near the end there, that's why I had to do, to do something with him, uh, he took a little money, Yeah. right? And I even told her, because then she would have told me, well, why did you kill him or <laughs> something like that? You know, yeah. you use those words, like, yeah. you use that word all the time. Yeah why wouldn't you just tell me you're taking that and just take it in advance or take it as a bonus and just sell more or something like that. Why would you just go and take it and not even tell me? Like yeah. I will find out. When
1: well, you approached him about that, like what was his you know, answer denial. to it? He just denied it flat Oh
2: yeah. 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 It was like a lousy, I think it was ten or $15,000. But he was running into this hiding problem when he's still with Serge. And I'd never done all that stuff, right? I just smoked pot. I love pot. I used you know, get so wired I had to come down and that's why I did a lot of pot and did a lot of drinking. He ventured off to experiment with his other stuff. It just affected his work terribly because he'd be late for work, which is super unusual. Yeah, because no, yeah, that's, yeah, that's just totally, because he, he lived there, like, you know, like, even if he was sick, he was there, right? Yeah. yeah.
4: Ed says Wayne took ten or $15,000, something I cannot verify, but also says that Wayne denied it. And Ed also says he observed a new change in Wayne's behavior, a kind of paranoia one Ed attributed to harder drug use, though Ed says he never actually saw that kind of use with his own eyes. Diane says that beyond pot, harder drugs may have only been used recreationally and then very infrequently.
2: So if he was into, into the, to the coke scene, that's an assumption. It's an assumption and not an assumption all at the same time. That I mean, was just like a night and day, like uh, looking through my eyes. I mean, I'd just known this guy for 20, 30 years. I wouldn't give him... Time of day. I mean, the guy's head was all over the goddamn place, yeah. right? Yeah. And there was no more reality. It was just like, get out of here, go hide. Don't answer the phone. Never answer that phone. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> Without that phone, we yeah. got no business. Yeah. So it wasn't like today's world, right? It's right more
1: now. like a, a paranoia. Did you find, or was it? I don't more know. but like people, on coke, don't people on coke. don't people on coke
2: hide away and all that.
4: So Ed's story is that Wayne starts acting strangely, possibly stealing from him and not answering phones. Ed fires him and in the process of leaving, Wayne maybe tries to take Surge customers for a new business of his own. Their disagreement over percentages is dragged into court where the suing happens. And Ed says he heard in the rumor mill of the beverage and packaging industry that money may have played a part in Wayne's death
2: then I start hearing stories like, uh, oh, you want me to do your conveyor or your job? Yeah, okay, give me like 50 bucks or whatever the big number might have been. And not do that job. Just keep the money.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah, then you go, see, as a business guy, you got away the lawyers and the court against losing $5,000. You're going to sink $10,000, you're going to chase $5,000? No, because your time, you want to build your business, swallow hard and never deal with that person again. And anytime you can get them, you can get them, that's fine. And that's the way most, if you start to rip off in the lower numbers, right? Now, if you graduate to a higher number, ouch, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. But then on the same tune, I could steal your earrings, and that could piss you off so much you might do me in just for a lousy set of earrings. You got no-
4: if Wayne was taking money for jobs he didn't do, could that be enough to enrage the wrong person into sending the package? Ed says he got word from some of Wayne's customers who were unhappy.
2: I See, I, I'm gonna tell you, like, I knew the because the customers came back, right? right. And they're going, hey, like, yeah, the guy's with you. I go, no, he's not with me. he at got their own company.
1: Yeah. Like, he was
2: just like a salesman for me after a while because the more he screwed up, the more they'd come back. Yeah. But what about the cust- like, the customers I called?
3: That are the people that he basically did quasi sales for? You guys, by... Shoddy business, and sent the they end up coming back to you. But out of the people that you've heard complain, what was some of the big numbers that you heard come out?
2: Like I, I I understand. I, I heard like a lot of fives and tens, so it wouldn't.
4: I don't out. know if what Ed says he heard about Wayne cheating customers in the business out. is true. Follow the money. You know, just eliminate all that shit. Yep.
2: But that's like a major one for me. Mm-hmm. Just truly speculation of yeah. my yeah. heart, right?
4: Ed goes on to say that Wayne became involved with people in the industry who were less than honest.
1: He surrounded himself with people... Losers. bunch <laughs> yeah, of losers. people who were crooks. Yeah. And because. eventually that... I mean, if I'm to gather what you're saying correctly, you, you know, you're kind of saying he surrounded himself with crooks, he, he turned into a crook. That's what you think went wrong there. I'd chase that. Yeah?
2: I would chase that because I don't know about killing people and all that. So he's either ripped a lot of people in that last two years like just because of money,
1: mm-hmm.
2: plus I don't know what the habit would cost you. You know, like, <laughs> like yeah. you could throw all that in there. No. See, that's what he started doing, surrounding himself with these characters.
4: And Ed mentions another case that is also of interest.
2: But I'll give you another free season. I guess you're aware like Paul Hentonen. You know Paul no. Hentonen? Oh, he's in the same business as guys, Plastic right? Plastic belt. Plastic belt, but then he
4: Pavo Pavel playing. Paul Hentonen was another man in the packaging industry involved in a different partnership.
2: And he got in the same business we're in. And he went the wrong way. Like he was doing weird things, right? right. But that's the nature of the business. There's a whole bunch of it. Mm-hmm. If it's too good to be true, it's not true, right? So you don't worry about it. But I did a lot of deals with the guy and all that, played poker with him, good drinking friend, same thing, right? He got stabbed 14 times, got killed, in right? his own shop. Mm-hmm. They sure. found him the next day.
5: and all podcast platforms.
4: On Friday, May 17th, 2002, just after 9 a.m., a cleaning lady found Paul Hentinen dead in his apartment on Rosetta Street in Georgetown. He had lived and worked there, the owner of a scrap metal and vending machine repair business. The 54-year-old man had been stabbed repeatedly with a kitchen knife. He was last seen when he was dropped off by a taxi just past midnight after spending an evening at the Barbertown pub, also in Georgetown. He was a father of three and was said to be well-liked. In reports on the case, Halton Regional Police have said that a large amount of money went missing around the time of the murder, although they don't think robbery was a motive. They do think it was personal, though, and that Paul knew the person or people who killed him. The police developed several DNA profiles from the crime scene and discovered blood from the person they believe is responsible. And they have a palm print from Paul's green 1997 Chevy pickup that was found two days later, a few kilometers from his home. To this day, no one has been charged with Hentonen's murder.
2: Yeah, he's going, holy shit, there goes Wayne, there goes another guy. I better retire. I'm probably the oldest guy in the business
1: right now. <laughs> no, did they find... Did they they find never him? found that guy yeah. out.
4: Okay. Diane says Wayne knew Hentonen too and got along well with him. They bought parts from him and Diane thinks Hentonen and Wayne used to drink together. Police hadn't connected Hentonen's murder to Wayne's when I spoke to them in 2009. And in 2017, the new caseholder gives the same impression... Danielle brings the focus back onto Ed Gaelic and her dad's murder.
1: Oftentimes, I think we thought, you know, that maybe there was a possibility yep. that you, you uh, might have had done it. Like, like for six
2: months, they're tapping my phone, the van's parked up there, I did four lie detector tests, I gave my hair to the forensic people to do DNA, really? and then the guy goes, how would your DNA get at their house, right, on the farm? Yeah. And I go... I don't know how. I don't know where the farm is, but I don't know how it would ever go over there. But they did live in my house, and that Wayne there—he was a crook and a half. He'd be stealing my ball hats all the time. <laughs> well, he had a thing about oh, I like a ball hat, and then he'd be wearing. I wouldn't have a ball hat, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he was—it was just like friendly stuff, right? Yeah. But, like I had nothing. There was no reason to lie, and then I—I I sort, of, sort of told like truthfully. Number one is, it would take a 45-foot truck to build a bomb. If I was building a bomb, I I have no idea how that even works, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not that intelligent, so I'd have to shoot him. (laughs) I don't own a gun, but I'd have to shoot him, right? It's like a bang-bang, right? Why would I go to destroy a company just starting? You know, like, I'll underbid them and stuff like that. Why would I bother? Like, I'm already busy, right? And I'm not wasting my time. I don't have that time for the hate or the revenge.
4: Ed says police didn't come to talk to him right away. See, the cops never even come to see me for two, three weeks, right? Yeah. Which is totally unusual,
2: because I'd be the first guy there. Like, you know, like if I was a cop, I'd go see that guy. They just broke up, did the court, da-da-da. There's his best friend, family would say that someone had screwed us over. Like, any stories or whatever, the hateful, the good things would come out.
1: Yeah.
2: So I got, I noticed the cars parked. So this guy did his van there, like, every morning I'm going to work, there's the van, right? Come back home. There's a man over there, and I get over here, and then the, then the phones start clicking. then the phones start clicking at work there, right? And I go, "Wow!" And nobody's coming to see me. And I go, well, "Like you know," and I'm starting to put all this, and I'm getting paranoid, I guess, right? And then I'm thinking, I wonder if that was like the surge or the wane. Like I don't know the information yet, right? Yeah. Well, Alfred, you go get the mail. I ain't touching it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you afraid for your life? I thought about it, but it took him so long. Mm-hmm. You know, like he waited three weeks, like everybody's phoning, Ed, I just got interviewed by the police, da, 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 and I go, wow, they never come here. A week later, somebody else told me, yeah, they were down at our place, to interview and I go, why aren't they well, coming they interviewed here? interviewed his sister and... Everybody, oh, but not me. Amazing the people that So and So I go, uh, let me see, best friend, been in business forever. I'd be the first person, I'd be going right to God right away. Mm-hmm. But why are you guys waiting three weeks? And here I am into this mess, and we just got rid of the mess we were just in, mm-hmm. wasted a whole bunch of three years or two years in court, and now I'm back again. Mm-hmm. And all I want to do is just forget it. The business is going down a little because people naturally, everybody, that guy, that guy. Well, the more I say it's not me, the more it is that guy. You know, he got away from this, no, it's not me. Believe anything you want to believe, man, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like Why am I defending myself against what? What am I defending myself against?
4: Finally, Ed says the police got in touch with him and asked whether he'd be willing to take a lie detector test.
3: My lawyer goes, don't even oh, do weird. that lie detector
2: yeah. test or nothing. I just drove right up there, slapping off. Oh, and I was only supposed to be there for half an hour. I was there for four hours, and they locked me up. They wouldn't let me out of the room, right? Oh,
1: really? And then I
2: freaked out on them. Like, either arrest me. And then your mind starts doing weird things, like, you know, like, how can, how can I get myself out of this? Well, I didn't even get into this. <laughs> you know, like, how can I get out of something I didn't get myself into? Yeah, well, see, I think they forgot that we hurt, too.
1: Yeah.
2: Probably drinking more than shit. Because mm-hmm. you're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you, you sit there and think about well, how am I going to convince them that I had nothing to do with that? What can I say or do or, you like, come in the house, just take everything out of the house. Take everything, everything. Mm-hmm. Just satisfy yourself and go find the weird guy. You're wasting too much time on me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Don't waste your time on me. Go get that weird guy. Okay. Do I blame him? No. I, I, I don't oh, blame no. him for that. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you're doing a good job, and apparently they did because they didn't come back to do nothing to me.
4: Police will not verify whether Ed undertook a lie detector or any other form of cooperation with their investigation.
0: But no, it's we never, never, ever heard from them again, like after those few months and stuff like that. And you're always curious, like, well, yeah. you know, have they found anything or, you know... But now you're scared gone? to go check it out. We don't want to see it, you know?
4: After Wayne and Ed parted ways, Ed Galeck put his son Ed Jr. into Wayne's position at the company. Ed Jr. had worked at Surge in various capacities over time and knew the Gravettes well. But Ed says that his son didn't like Wayne.
2: I know my son didn't like him because he thought he's stealing my paw and all that, right? Yeah, so get sure. off your butt, do what he does, and we're going to be one, right? Yeah. It's, it's that easy. I treated everybody the same. Right? Well, it's yeah. all due little Eddie. He had his tries. like. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: Little Ed, Ed Jr., or Eddie as some call him, Worked in the beverage and packaging industry too, but didn't stay at Surge for long.
2: He only lasted about a half a year to fire him, because he got, I guess, That's a whole other story. That's yeah. a whole other story. Well, he went to, he went to Coke too. Yeah.
4: He went to Coke, meaning Ed Junior, according to Ed Senior, went to cocaine. Ed brings up his son Ed Junior again later when he's asked who might be capable of making a flashlight into a bomb.
1: Differently. What yeah. is the profile of somebody you would think? Okay, oh gosh. Let's, let's say, right. if, if it was in the industry, what people in your industry, I guess, it's would good. have that knowledge? That my son? Material. Your son? You think? You can smart. Do electronics? He's smart? Oh,
3: he's smart. He's, he's smart. smart. He can do anything. He can hmm. read a book in was like 30 really seconds. Was he really that pissed off with my
2: old man? Oh, no, no. I'm not saying my son would do that. No, that. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where did, like, what, where would he get that sort of knowledge from? Like, I'm just wondering... He's smart.
2: He's He's a computer guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess computer guys... You know, I'm just trying Can't to you hit- find that
2: stuff
3: on a computer? No. Yeah, you guys didn't even have internet at Surge. No, no. 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 I'm just I mean-
1: wondering specifically what type of businesses that maybe Surge did business with that would have that um, maybe electrical or computer sort of experience, oh, wow. maybe somebody. Uh-huh.
2: Darling, we work for everybody, Yeah. like from huge breweries to craft. I mean, like there's a million people out there that would know that stuff, like a lot of smart people, right? A lot of times we would get engaged with the engineers naturally. If you're going to bid on a job and all that, do they have enough the brains to do that? Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, what profile? I mean, you're talking to some sick dick, right? Like, like yeah. what, what 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 profile? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know what profile would be. Like it well, could be anybody.
4: So, do you think that your son could have done this? Like, are you no. saying that you think your son could have done? It? No, I'm just saying
2: it's just another person. No, that would be terrible. Like I would have the capability. Capabilities or like you know anybody, but no, he's just a factor in that whole web. If I knew he did, he'd be in the crowbar motel. Then. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I that foolish is a pair, so I can't, I can't honestly tell you, no, that I would suspect him or anything like that yeah, I would yeah. call the cops. I suspected sure, him, right? Sure. But I didn't tell him that because I didn't.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah. he's just weird but he is a weird dude <laughs> like
4: eddie is very
0: warped like he's there's something wrong so, with that a, kid. so
4: are you t- are you talking to your son now like
2: ed are you i uh, know we're sort of like uh better off not doing that <laughs> you don't there is no salvaging him anymore like you know he might give me oh dad i'm clean stuff and da da da. well i plan on never on seeing him but i got great grandchildren I got great yeah. great grandchildren yeah. from that, you know, from whatever they did. So yeah. he did give me a good present that way.
4: Ed Jr. is someone I'll need to talk to.
3: Your, your ideas have it's either been, you know, ripping customers off or he was moving stuff. And
2: as you know, in his business, it's a pretty common thing. All the little you are doing that. All of the Number one is I would like I'd love I'd love to get books.
1: Yeah, and stuff trace like that would go right? through.
2: Just ch- trace all yeah. that. Like the writing down has to be in those books. No, I'm assuming you told this all to the police. Oh no. No? No, no. Like they were trying to develop that I would have a a thing for Wayne, right? Right. And I a and, child and no. Did I like it? No. Would it go out of my way to do anything about it? No. Why would no. I do that? I ain't got no time for that.
3: Th- to me, it's exciting to know this, not because you didn't tell the police, but because that means that there's still ways to work on this. And because I mean, for us, you kind of hit a place where you're like, shit, is this a dead end?
4: Ed may not have had to suggest that the police take a look at the books because the police did it anyway. In fact, police say they went through all the available records and found nothing.
2: Whoever did it is a complete coward, number one.
1: Yes, and
2: then the other part of that is the little message on the bottom, and I'm trying to recall, I don't know what it is. Have a, the,
0: good day uh, or have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Day you never
3: need to buy another
0: flashlight. Flash there you light. go. That's right, yeah.
2: How sad has that person got to be knowing what the end result is? So I got a man, we got reading that letter thing there, right? Mm-hmm. But See? the important factor yes. was they knew Joe and Lisa worked there. Okay. Yeah. Where did you get the names? It's on that letter. It just blacked out. And these girls figured it all
3: out, that's what it was. Oh, okay, so it was just speculating those names.
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, because it wasn't just till recently that uh, they actually came out and released the names.
1: Yeah.
4: Originally, the letter was released to the public with the two names redacted as holdback, information that only the killer would know. Ed is saying that the women working in his office were able to figure out the names based on the context of the redactions.
2: I I even told the cops that when we were doing the line check there. And my crew figures that's Joe and Lisa and Lisa spount wrong. And it's my, That's what he said. How do you know that? I said, I don't know that. My girls know that.
1: Faces. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Knowing that. who worked there. Yeah. Again, but faces. then you get
2: yeah, the guy who faces. sends you the letter has privilege to that. Like, who in the world would even care? Yeah. Number one. Like, how weird do you gotta be to wipe out a whole family mm-hmm. who had nothing to do
4: with your problem? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Danielle and Justin push Ed into telling them more stories about their father.
3: Yeah. What was he like when the women
2: weren't around? Like what was he like when you guys went out and he was a pig. He, he'd rape a snake man if you tried to lose I don't know if like the women seen him, but he sure did catch a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, he did catch a lot of them. I guess you guys did enough research to know that. Well you we know some, right?
1: That's that's what we're hoping for is somebody says, yeah, it was this one girl or you know, mm-hmm. she had a husband.
2: Doesn't come in mind and that would be the furthest that be so far out, like the jealous husband thing. Yeah.
4: Rumors of infidelity had filtered through the Gravettes in the years after Wayne was murdered, and it's an area that Danielle and Justin are interested in finding out more about.
1: I don't want y'all thinking that
2: he's like a really bad guy or not, I and mean, no, all those bullshit well, stories.
1: You well, know? no, see, and, the, and the, that's the thing, you know, we, we're taking the good with the bad, obviously, yeah. Yeah. but what it's people probably. don't understand is the way he was at home. Is not the, the person. I oh, mean, no, you couldn't no. be more night and day,
5: really. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: we, the way he was at home with us was very different. He was very. I think he was a good
5: pop. He, he was, was amazing. Yeah. He was a fantastic. Yeah. Brother. I think he was yeah. a good pop, right? Yeah.
1: Like when when we were at the farm, um, he became very family oriented. Everything was about what we were going we're to due. do
4: collectively oh, yes, as a family. Yes. And, you know. Before we go, I have a few more questions I want to run by Ed Senior. How has it been for you? And how? I mean, we got a little bit of that. You kind of. How, it scares the hell out of you. How your life has been as a suspect? It scares the hell out of you. <laughs> I didn't have
2: any faith in the justice system.
0: Well, mm-hmm. it was a scary feeling. I mean, you know you had absolutely nothing to do with it, and yet all these people are thinking that you do, and you just sort of oh. want to go and scream like, like, no,
1: no. And there's
2: still thing. people out there believe that I did. Yeah. Then you read in the newspaper, there's my name, there's my company. Well, that's going to be hard to sell. I'm going to come and want to do something for you, and you just blew up that guy. Phew, like so, it was really bad because you are number one suspect and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And they
1: never actually said to us that you were a suspect.
2: <laughs> I know. I asked, please. My number one is close. <laughs> so there you go. No, but I
4: Ed Gaelic Senior says he didn't kill Wayne, but he again muses about his own son, Ed Junior.
2: So now, now, Hi. like, now, even hypothetically. Nice question about the son. Hypothetically, son is like oh, a weird guy. I want to get rid of my pawn, Wayne. Because I hate Wayne, because he's like my father's He's like his son, and he's jealous and all that. Like you know, just, oh, okay. I mean, I thought about stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So I'll do Wayne in. They're going to go after my pa. So I get rid of Wayne, my pa, and I got the business. There you go. Kill two birds with one stone. I don't think I'm capable of harming a person because I'd have to sleep. I mean, I get angry like everybody else, but that'd be the farthest thing out of my of mind, right? Uh, and in fact, why would I even hurt you if I got to go to prison the rest of my life? I lose anyway, right? Why would I do that? Yeah. Oh, but I don't I have even. that capability, I, 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 it's just not in me. Like I have to shoot the deer once in a while, and I don't even shoot them, the I have to bring somebody in to shoot them, because yeah. mm-hmm. I can't kill them. Yeah. Yeah. I just cannot do that, I cannot take a, a living thing. And, <laughs> we have problems squishing bugs sometimes. <laughs>
3: Well, we do really appreciate you guys taking the time.
2: Oh, I appreciate all right. you all coming nice down talking to us.
1: <that> <coughs> Going down to meet the deer? Yes, yeah, of course. I'd love to of course.
2: That's the baby deer we had in the house. We were oh, raising I told it. You all
0: about it.
4: After a conversation that weathered almost four hours, Danielle and Justin get up from the kitchen table. We walk outside and down to the deer pen.
2: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Really it, was it. it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed
1: seeing you. Take care. Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank thank you, you very pleasure. much. I will do. <laughs> In touch, let I us know do. how things go.
3: Absolutely, and, and you guys got our numbers too. Thank
2: okay,
4: Mr. Nice CBC. you. <laughs> you take care. Thanks a lot. In the van, Justin and Danielle reflect and gather their thoughts on the man they once called Uncle Ed.
3: Just because Ed shared a lot with us and talked with us and gave us hugs and shook our hands, Until the person's caught, they will always, always be a person of interest to
1: me. Well, I don't trust anybody either.
3: Do you think Dad took money?
1: Most definitely. Yeah.
3: I was going in not wanting to have to paint a bad picture of Dad. What I'm realizing now is that I can't be naive to the point where I can think that he was a great man to everyone else outside of his family, because by the sounds of it, he wasn't. He was an amazing father, and by the sounds of everything I'm learning, that is the extent of it. He was a good family man, and then anything outside of his family, it, it is turning into story after story of crap. How much of that is true, well, I guess we're going to have to find that out.
1: Our intent was to go there with the sole purpose to try and keep the man talking, and I think we did that well, but in the process I've walked away thinking that I betrayed him by just, you know, not sticking up for him. I don't believe he was as bad as Ed made him out to be. He lived and now he's dead and he can't defend himself against these accusations. Inside, I hate to think that he might have ripped somebody off and that caused his death or that he was abusing drugs and that might have caused his death. He may have gotten mixed up with people and he may have have taken money from people that's a given I think that it's very likely he did and we have to come to terms with those facts but he wasn't a pig and he wasn't a thief as people might take that. If he got himself in trouble and that's what killed him, so be it. It doesn't mean that you package up an explosive and send it to somebody's house and blow them up in front of their family. You know, you don't do that. You don't have to do that. It's too severe for anything that he could have done. I'll be honest with you, this process is kind of overwhelming because I didn't really realize that there was so many avenues that were going to be opened up. I think he did steal money from people. I don't know if I believe the drug theory. I think he was scared. He was scared for his life. He was paranoid. And I think that's why.
4: Did Wayne steal? Did he cheat? Did he owe money, and if so, for what reason? The meeting with Ed Gaelic Sr., so difficult for the Gravettes, answered some questions, but brought many more with it. And walking away from it, other people have come to light that I need to speak to. In particular, Ed's son, Ed Jr., Eddie, little Ed. Smart, capable, weird by his father's definition, but a bomb builder? Facebook tells me that Ed Jr. lives somewhere out in Western Canada. I reach out to him with a message. I'm hoping that you are the Ed Gaelic Jr. I'm looking for. Apologies if you're not. I'm creating a program for CBC about the case of Wayne Gravett. I'm looking for people who knew Wayne who might be able to tell me more about him. If you can spare some time, I'd be grateful if we could chat a bit about him. Thanks for your time, David Ridgen. Ed Gaelick Jr.'s reply comes quickly, saying, It's about time.
2: Honestly, when that happened, I was shocked. It should be interesting to find out what the hell happened there. I'd never, ever wish their family or Wayne Harm or anybody dead in my life.
0: You have been listening to Episode 3 The Deer. Visit CBC.ca/skS to learn more about the typewriter and daisy wheel used to compose the letter and to find out how to submit a tip to the podcast. You can also join our listener community on Facebook and Twitter and be the first to hear about new content. Someone Knows Something is hosted, written, and produced by David Ridgen. The series is mixed by Cecil Fernandez and produced by Chris Oak, Steph Kampf. Amal Delich, Eunice Kim and executive producer Arif Nurani. Our theme song is Higher by Olenka Krakis
1: There's a road in the distance that ends in a pit it's
0: Where Someone Knows Something is a proud part of CBC Original Podcasts. Another podcast we think you'll like is Personal Best, a self-improvement show that helps you be your best you as best they can, given the constraints. My prediction is that I will be wholly unsuccessful five out of five days.
3: You just went stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> you, you honestly think you're going to go over for 5?
0: Yes. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to SKS
2: For more CBC podcasts, go to CBC.ca/podcasts.